like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. So here we are, another beautiful day in the fire service court. I, I wish I could be um, John Murphy, and I'm sure you wish you could be Brad Pinsky, neither of which is... I'm not uh, sure is, either one of those two statements are true now. But, well, <laughs> did you see my nose getting bigger? Well, this is, this is what's... How about this? This is what's left the fire service court on September 11th of 2023. <laughs> That's right. The last two standing. <laughs> So here we, here we are uh, having another great time uh, discussing those exciting legal topics of the day. And uh, I'm Chip Comstock, and you are? Kurt Verone, I think. At least I was when I woke up. But so I, have a, I have a family history of Alzheimer's, so, you know, it could be, it could be a problem there. So, well, again, we're, the, the two of us, as, as Kurt said, are, are the last two standing uh, for today. And so we've been tasked to discuss um, uh, legal issues. Uh, that's what we do. And uh, Kurt has uh, suggested a topic that uh, evolves around a case in Baltimore County, Maryland. And I don't know, Kurt, if you want to do the recitation of some of the facts. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm happy to. Um, the, the case, it goes back to, let me get the dates correct here. Um, let me see here. Uh, it goes June of 2017 is what my so so it really goes back quite a ways, um, but the uh, the the issue kind of kind of simplified. We have a uh, firefighter who's using a fake name, fake identity in social media, sends uh, a message to another firefighter uh, asking that firefighter to get um, nude pictures of a colleague, a female colleague. Uh, and then offers to share other pictures of other firefighters with them. Uh, that firefighter in turn uh, informs a, uh, I believe, a battalion chief, um, or is it a division chief, uh, who then in turn reports it up the chain of command to the um, to the fire chief's uh, headquarters. And about the same time, a decision is made to notify Baltimore County. Uh, police department, their cyber crimes unit. So we've got a police investigation started. The fire department, I guess, doesn't start an investigation. I think that's sort of interesting question number one. I think there's there's good reason why, in my opinion, there's good reason why the fire department should not start an investigation at that point. But at any rate, the police department start the investigation. 
takes uh, five or six weeks or so. They identify uh, who they believe to be the perpetrator. Apparently, they bring him in, and it, it appears that he admitted it. He ends up resigning. At that point, um, the females who are involved are, are informed, or somewhere in the mix there, they are informed. Um, I'm assuming that at some point they went to an attorney uh, or some of the victims did, and uh, the attorney filed a complaint with the EEOC. And again, some of this is, is speculation on my part, but they file a complaint with the EEOC or the EEOC equivalent. Many states have a human relations commission that serves the role uh, of the EEOC. And the reason why that's important is once you notify, in order to sue for sexual harassment or any sort of Title VII discrimination, under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, you have to notify the EEOC. And then they will do one of two things. They will either take the case themselves, they will investigate it, or they will uh, re refer it, um, basically not refer it, but they'll give a, um, a, a right to sue letter, which is what you need in order to file a, a lawsuit for employment discrimination. So in this case, what it appears is they referred it to the U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney said, we're interested in, in this. Now, it took quite a while. Obviously, this, this happened in 2017. Um, but um, the U.S. attorney um, filed suit against uh, this, the Baltimore County Fire Department in Baltimore County um, alleging sexual harassment and discrimination against the unidentified, the unnamed um, uh, victims of this. And I believe there was somewhere around 11, uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact number, but uh, somewhere around 11 uh, females whose pictures uh, were either obtained or sought to be obtained. And um, But the uh, federal government basically said the county didn't do enough to um, prevent or intervene in this. And which, you know, that's not unusual that, the, you know, the federal government takes the side of the victims, files the lawsuit on their behalf so they don't have to go out and get their own attorneys. Um, what's I think another unusual part of this is that the, the day that the lawsuit was filed, and that would have been about a week ago, I guess, um, they also submitted a joint settlement agreement with a consent decree. Uh, indicating that Baltimore County sort of acknowledged that this happened and they're going to agree to implement certain steps to uh, move it, f move the um, department forward to try to address some of the shortcomings. But one of those is that they're going to get, I guess, better at investigating. And um, I don't know, this, Chip, there's a number of parts of this that um, kind of leave me scratching my head. And, and, and one of them is criticism that the department didn't promptly investigate it. Um, I, I don't know, you and I, we, we kind of just briefly kind of talked about some of the facts. We didn't get too deep into it, but do you think the department should have immediately launched its own investigation here? Well, you know, you, you touched on it when you asked the question, should the department have conducted its own investigation? And, and I think as I read the decision, uh, the complaint and, and or decision in this case or entry. The inference is that they did nothing. Now, it talks about really the, the period of do nothing, the period of sitting on their hands was about two months. And which, yeah, in the, in the world of, of law, <laughs> that 
we're, we're just getting our coffee in that time, right? I mean, that's, that's 60 days is nothing. I, I have a case that I was at this morning where we discussed um, setting dates and you know, the judgment, the parties, and the case has been pending for over two years. So nothing moves quickly. And look uh, at this case. The, this case happened in 2017. It wasn't right. filed. It's six years. Right. So how can and you say so, you didn't you didn't act quick enough in 60 days? But right. yeah, it took us six years. <laughs> That's okay. And then, then, they, then they did notify the police, right? And mm -hmm. so do I think that the city should have been conducting its own investigation at the time you had a concurrent investigation? I don't think so. Okay. I, 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 so the only question is, should they have done something you know, as soon as they found out about this, should they? I mean, the, the the certainly the United States government seems to suggest that as soon as you became aware of this, either internally or externally, you should have done something. And and whether that's within two weeks or thirty days, but one of the 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 takeaways is this is sixty days, at least according to the United States government, seems to be too long. I, I'm I'm troubled by it because. The allegations potentially are criminal. You've got some. Well, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, there was no criminal charges, which I also right. find a little troubling. But um, at, at any rate, the, you've got potential criminal charges. You don't know who the accused is at this point. If you start interviewing people, you can inadvertently get into a Garrity problem. So if I'm advising the Baltimore County, if they were my client, and I, I'm not an attorney in Maryland, so I can't speak to Maryland law, but in Rhode Island, I would not advise my clients to conduct their own investigation at this point. In fact, I don't want to interview the victims because they're victims of some sort of a, um, a sexual offense. And... I don't want to put myself in a situation where I am going to somehow mess up the the criminal part of this investigation. So that's my advice. Well, I, I, I have a there's an ongoing situation in Ohio and I it, it involves a client fire department. So I don't want to get into too many of the details, mm -hmm. but it involved a, 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 an act by a potential employee that was via the internet that was anonymous. And so the, the first issue is what tools or power do we have as a fire department to track that identity down, right? Because law enforcement can issue subpoenas, they can you know take it through that course, working with internet providers, obtain that information to track it back to a source. Fire departments absolutely don't have that, at least as far as I know most states, don't have that ability to do that. So as you said, if we start fussing around, uh, that creates potential issues. The other thing in, in, in cases similar to mine, maybe in this case is ultimately the, the employer of the, of the employee, i.e. the fire department may get sued or may, you know, there may be allegations pressed against that person. So not only are, are is the risk that we are screwing it up, but you 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 purposely did or didn't do something as part of the investigation, or you intimidated somebody, or you treated a, as part of an interview process. You you did did or said something to a victim um, that was improper. So there's just so many things that can go sideways where you you are a potential 
I'll say civil defendant, I think you're better off giving it to that third party to do a um, neutral, objective outside investigation. Well, again, I think when you have a potential criminal victim, and that's the the women in this case are the victims of a possible criminal offense. Um, and, you know, some of these pictures where they came from, they could have involved uh, a, a romantic partner that they were with who took the pictures, or some of them may have been taken surreptitiously, whatever that may be. But my my general uh, bias, and I've, I've never been, I was a student prosecutor in law school. I, I was able to get appointed as a student prosecutor, and that's really the extent of my experience as a prosecutor, but I know enough about prosecuting that when I've got a sexual victim, a victim of some sort of sexual offense, I do not want people interviewing that victim, um, at least until we've had the opportunity to interview them uh, and get all of the information um, related to whatever offense did or did not happen. Um, so how do you do an investigation if you can't talk to the victims and you can't talk to the perpetrator and you don't know who the perpetrator is and you don't have the in-house ability to do that. I, 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 again, I don't know what the U.S. attorney was thinking in this case, other than, you know, maybe wanting to make a point about sexual harassment in the workplace, which I agree with. This should not have happened. Okay. Well, but criticize the department here. I, I just don't, I just don't feel that the department deserved to be criticized for that. Well, again, I, I think it's just not the fact that they didn't do an investigation per se, because they never did an investigation. What they're criticized, I think, is not doing something within 60 days. I think you and I are in agreement that that something should not have been an internal investigation they should have referred it out right as soon as they became aware. Well, of they it. did. They referred it to the police to let the police. Right, right, you, whether that's, let me tell you something. Whether whether you do this, if you're going to do a fire department investigation, whether you have an, a law firm do it for you or whether you do it yourself, the issues are the same. You have to interview the witnesses, the the victims, and you also are going to have to start working your way to figure out who the accused is. And so whether a fire, let's say a deputy chief that's trained as an investigator does it, or you have a, an attorney, a law firm that comes in and does it, that to me, that's that doesn't matter. The point is that you're potentially interfering with a, a criminal investigation. You let the criminal investigation um, develop and then when the investigators on the criminal side get to the point where they say, yeah, go ahead, you can interview the, the, the witnesses, then you can start your investigation. But I just, again, I think I just, I, I don't understand um, where the U.S. attorney, and, and if this is so important that you've got to file a federal case about it, why did it take you six years to file the case if, it, if time was so important? And, and I, again, I think there's a little bit of uh, contradiction in that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Again, I, I just look at, you know, the headings in the complaint. And again, it says, you know, fail to properly investigate the solicitation. I, I don't think it's, it's the fact that it's, it's that they didn't do it internally. I think they just, they, they viewed it as sitting on the hands. And again, the, the, the message moving forward, if we, anybody runs into this is, 
uh, I think you and I would both advise, based on what we've talked about, to um, to to start an investigation. And you and I, our recommendation is to not do it internally because of all the issues. We just I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I, there's a big discussion that I've been involved in with a lot of different people and this. A lot of people out there saying that we should not be doing our own investigations. I think that's a lot of bunk. We need to be doing our own investigations. Firefighters should not be interviewed by people who have no understanding of our culture, no understanding of the fire service. Firefighters should be investigated by firefighters. Okay, It's like a, a, somebody who's got absolutely no experience in law enforcement investigating what police officers have to do. And they don't understand the pressures. They don't understand the, the circumstances. They've got, they've got absolutely no experience in law enforcement, and they're going to sit there and pick apart what a police officer does at a traffic stop. Baloney. I think firefighters should be the ones to be doing investigations in fire departments, with the exception where there's conflicts of interest. But I think 99% of the investigations should be done, but that also means we've got to have trained investigators in our organizations to be conducting those investigations. Yeah, you know, again, I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you in many respects, but in others, again, I've been involved. I, I used to, in my old days, represent police officers in, in civil rights cases, and I was involved in a number of police shootings. And, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that... that we talk about is, you know, that from a police officer standpoint, the decision that has to be made quickly, no time for second thoughts, mm -hmm. hindsight being 2020. Again, you have to look at the facts and circumstances. So I, I get all that. But in the number of shooting cases I was involved in, you brought in outside organizations, right? Mm -hmm. And so the outside organizations were state police county sheriffs, yep. Bureau of Criminal Investigation, FBI, right. because you didn't want to do your own investigation. I wanted somebody who's going to be outside objective that I could then take those those findings to court mm -hmm. and say, listen, this was the state police who did this. This wasn't us who did our own internal investigation. Yes, they understand that. They understand all the things that go with it. So I think you and I are, uh, you know, we can say that fire understand fire, police understand police, but that doesn't mean that 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 investigation from uh, on this has to be your own fire investigation. You can go to other you know, organizations that are fire based mm -hmm. to have them come in and assist. Yeah, and I, I think that's fine. But I, I really think that um, I just I hear a steady drumbeat of people that haven't really thought through this issue stating that firefighters are incapable of investigating firefighters, that in any time we have an allegation, we we have to go outside the organization, which I think is bunk. I, I, I really honestly do. I don't think you're going to get a better product. What we do need is we need to have investigators that are trained. Right. You know? and, and that's a shortcoming, I think. Um, but that's that's for a different that's for a different topic. That's for a different day. That's, that's, Remember that. We'll, we'll have a yeah, good I, on that. Right. But um, but I, I just I, I'm, I'm troubled by it. And um, and again, I, I'm not saying that what happened here was OK. I, I'm the exact opposite, you know, that that we should not be having this kind of problem in the fire service. Um, I find it hard to believe that the perpetrator, if the perpetrator 
did what he is accused of having done, that there weren't other indicators about this person, that there were things that were concerning about them. Um, and, you know, kind of forensically, you go back and look at this. Um, probably you're going to say, yeah, we should have realized that we had a problem with this guy at this point, but we kind of missed an opportunity and we probably should have done something at this point and we missed an opportunity. So, I, I, but I, again, I think we've got to get better at doing this. So I'm not saying that what was done was okay, but what I'm saying is the criticism of the department not immediately investigating this, I really think is unfortunate. Um, I would have advised them to do the exact same thing, that we do not want to start an investigation. We don't want to tip the accused off that we're on to them. We don't want to tip off the victims prematurely. And we certainly don't want to have conversations with them until they've been interviewed by, uh, by the police. And so we've got to take a backseat to the police investigation. Oh, I, I don't, again, I think you and I are on the same page. Mm -hmm. Issue uh, again because the, you're not going to be able to find out who the, who this person is, the accused, who's you know anonymous via the internet, right. uh, until you track down the IP addresses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and 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 again, law enforcement has to do that. And yes, I think at some point you can you can and should do your investigation. Um, the, 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 and when we talk about the delay in investigation here, again, and I know it troubles you in terms of 60 days, I, I think it's that, hey, if this was with all the things that we're looking at, somebody should have notified the police earlier. That, that's the sense I get from it. it. Today, if, if I'm reading it correctly, they found out about it on June 26th, and they notified the police on June 26th. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I... I'm not sure what else they could have done. I mean, unless I'm missing something, and maybe maybe the truth is I'm missing something. I don't know. I mean, we, you know, you and I don't spend our lives reading these cases um, and, and digesting them. So maybe maybe I'm missing something. If if they had let this go like six months, three months, four months, whatever, then then you're talking about a different situation. But um, I mean, it sounds. It looks to me like the day that they found out about it is the day they notified the police. Um, no, I think I'm, I'm looking back through the dates to see if you're right because if that's um, the first allegation is June 26. They received a message from a, the anonymous alias screen name yeah. requesting the photographs. And so June 27th, uh, another volunteer firefighter receives a Facebook message from the same anonymous person mm -hmm. that had contacted the other employee the day earlier. And uh, uh, that, that per it says, was reported the information to the police department. So right. he does report the police department. And next is on or about June 30th, 2017, the police department informed these employees of the messages that someone was soliciting or sending photographs of them. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is from, from the first receipt, uh, June 26, to a notification of, of the victims by the police officers, it is four days. So that, that in and of itself, uh, it's, that seems, I agree with you in that sense. Yes, if we're looking at a four days, that seems entirely reasonable to me. And then and I think you and I are on the same page that 
they should not have done anything in terms of the investigation. They should have notified the police. They did that timely. And so the failure to investigate or the allegations are, seem to be misplaced. Yes, they do. And, and again, I understand they're trying to make a point. And they, and they made the point, you know, that the department needs to be better and we all need to be better. We can all improve. But I just that, that criticism that they dragged their feet. Uh, and again, maybe there's other things that uh, we're not aware of. But at any rate, that's sort of kind of friction point number one for me. Friction point number two, and I, I kind of threw this out to you earlier. Um, it's, it's probably not something that firefighters are going to really be enthusiastic about our, our discussion, but I think as lawyers, um, there's a question on the, um, the U.S. Constitution um, sets up our, our federal court system, and federal courts are governed by Article Three in the U.S. Constitution. And in order for a federal court to have jurisdiction, there has to be a case or controversy. And it's a very important constitutional, it goes back to Marbury versus Madison and who's going to make the decisions when, you know, people can't agree on the law. But the bottom line is there has to be a case or controversy. And when two sides to a lawsuit, okay, agree on whether there's been a violation of the law, whatever it may be, but the bottom line is they both agree and they, to the point where the lawsuit gets filed and simultaneously a consent decree is entered, I don't see a case of controversy. And I, you know, you do a lot more litigation, you might have more experience in this, but from my perspective, I'm like, how is there a case of controversy when one side files the lawsuit and simultaneously says, yeah, and here's our settlement? There's no case of controversy. I, I I was a party to one of these. In fact, now remember that I'm in federal court. No, we I, I we do them in state court. State court it, is different. You're not dealing with Article Three, right? Well, you still have issues on whether you know this, the issues are moot. I mean, you still have to have a controversy to to for court to decide at whatever level. Yeah. And, and the the issue from a practical standpoint to answer your question is. It's only an issue if one side raises it, right? I mean, it, it, you would you would be if you raise this and said, "Hey, we we have we're objecting." And what happened in my case? I had a third party intervene, and 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 we we entered it. We entered it. Uh, had a complaint. The parties knew what the controversy was. We were able to resolve it, and but we wanted to have a enforceable entry, so. Day one, we file the complaint. Day two, judgment entry goes on. An answer. There's an answer and then a judgment entry. And um, a person appeals that. It, it, Moses files a motion to intervene and, and appeals this and et cetera, et cetera. And, and the Court of Appeals didn't take kindly from the timing. And I will tell you that it got reversed in my case. Um, they basically said this looks like collusion. Um, and, and I'll just add this little asterisk. Um, by the time the Court of Appeals had ruled, we already got accomplished what we wanted to do. And when it reversed, I dismissed, etc. I think in this case, you know, the, the, in the criminal uh, cases, again, this is a civil case, it's not a criminal case, but, you know, they, they enter into, you know, proffers and plea deals where there's, a, you know, they, they'll bypass the, 
formal indictments, et cetera. And the person walks up and says, hey, we've reached a deal. Um, and uh, I, I think that in these cases, the, the I, I agree with you in theory, but in reality, unless somebody is going to say, hey, by the way, we, there's no controversy here. We already agreed to everything. And, and a judge, it's never going to it's never going to be addressed. A judge should be able to raise that themselves, because in order for them to hear a case, um, you know, <laughs> that has to. Well, <laughs> see, that, remember, we, we a complaint is filed and we we accuse you of, you know, it's not where you just walk in and say, Judge, here's our agreement. Right. That's what here's they did. Though. We've That's what they did. Out. That's what they did. Well, <laughs> we, no, they filed the complaint first and said we have a disagreement, and then we have a. And, uh, we have, we, we, Thirty we seconds later, that. thirty seconds later, we have. Yeah, we, we've I, resolved. I just waited a couple of days, right? I would have waited a couple of days. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it does. The the, the, the uh, time stamp, the, the date stamp on here does not have a time stamp because I would like to see if they were within thirty seconds of each other. It's like, boy, that was really quick. You know, that that deal was yeah. mediated out pretty pretty quickly. Um, it's, you know, one of the, one of the, the issues I have, or, you know, they can enter into agreements that, that, you know, we have contracts all the time. You're going to do this. We're going to do this. This is a deal that we're, we're agreeing to, um, without seeking redress in the courts. Mm -hmm. And here, here in the United States files a complaint to get Federal to to vote federal jurisdiction again whether it's proper or not but they vote federal jurisdiction and they enter into into a a, a proposed uh, joint it's and again it's a joint motion for a consent decree right they're saying to a judge hey we're asking you to enter into this agreement because we've resolved not, our disagreement <laughs> right but you know to your point if a judge this is a motion the judge can look at this and reject it right off the bat what yeah. you know why do I why do I need to get involved in this? Mm -hmm. um, my guess is it happens a lot more than you and I, you know, understand because uh, I, I'm willing to bet that they that people do this on a regular basis, dealing with the United States government. The courts are going to review it unless there's something that's crazy about it, um, or likely to to adopt it uh, at least in part. Um, I, you know, what's what's I, I just. There has to be, you know, this is the kind of thing that, that I, I will say there has to be a little bit of a delay. Um, Kurt, this is the practical side of things because, um, well, this is, <laughs> again, this is, now I'm putting my, my lawyer brains on, right? So they, they file a case in federal court and they file with it the, the attached civil cover sheet, which everybody has to do. What, what's the nature of this case? And then they also attach to it a summons in a civil action. Now, keep in mind, there is no there is no waiver, right? There's there's no waiver of summons filed with us. Like, hey, we're going to get you signed this. We're going to file suit. Please waive summons. So this case wouldn't even by time. My guess is, unless again, the clerk's office was able to run right out and serve somebody. There's no service on 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 the defendant in this case, right? And, and, and what only suggests is, is how fast this had to have taken place. When this is filed with the court, there is, um, you don't know who, it's all, most courthouses, it's, there's multiple federal judges, so you don't know who you're going to get. 
right? It's it's a random draw. So um, it, it, when they when they file this, it's civil action blank, and it's you know trial jury trial set forth, which is kind of you know, what you're asking for. <laughs> You're asking for a jury trial on this when you 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 should already know that you you've got this deal done, and then um, you but you don't have the judge's name on here. But but the joint motion for consent decree um, does at the end of this uh, have the signature provision for the judge. So they had the memorandum in support has the case number. Uh, it's the, the, the signature uh, block at the end has the Honorable Richard Bennett, United States District Judge. So they had to at least waited long enough to fill in the blanks before they filed it. That, that may have been three minutes later because, again, it's electronic filing. Um, well, I, I, I got to believe that this has been in negotiation for a while. Oh, so oh, yeah. um, it would be a little right. disingenuous just to hold it for a couple of minutes or a day when you've been negotiating this for months. Yeah, no, um, this is, yeah, or, yeah, or longer. Or longer, right? So it, it, I don't know. Uh, interesting interesting case on a, on a lot of different levels, but um, I, I just I've got some concerns about it. Well, I think you know one of the things is you know again the federal government is is here. United States of America is, is enforcing federal law mm-hmm. um, in the you know as to the the harassment under Title VII, um, and it, it to me it's interesting that again as you've suggested, well you could have just entered into agreements uh, as to which goes on a lot, but in this case they file a suit and then have this court because they want the federal judge. I mean, the reason to do this is you want the federal judge to be able to enforce your your agreement, and you know whether there's going to you know I mean one of the one of the things if you don't do what you've agreed to is a court can say this is my order and we're going to file a motion for contempt of court, um, you know and and they were going to want this court to basically the judge to be uh, oversee I mean to some degree the court jurisdiction will have the ability to oversee this. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting and different about this, and maybe you've seen it before, is attached to the consent decree, and again, to your point of having to work this all out, is a release of claims. And and they basically said, listen, anybody who's been a victim, if they sign this release, the, the county has already agreed to pay you $250,000. Um, which from the county's perspective, both in, I think an admission or their insurer admission of somewhat of wrongdoing, although it says, of course, this is not an admission of, of, of wrongdoing or liability. We're just going to give you the money. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to give you $250,000. Um, but there has to be some concern that had they gone to trial, both in terms of the litigation expenses and the potential risk of, of the exposure um, at, in front of a jury that they would not have fared well. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, the, the, the counties has to be looking at this saying, you know, this is, this is a pretty, in a general scheme of things, uh, this may be a pretty good monetary outlet for us or, you know, a, a settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if, if, if one of the victims wants to proceed on her own, she can do that. But, my guess is the, 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 that amount, uh, many of the many of the victims are going to accept that money, sign the release, and move on with life. 
Uh, well, I think the, there's a political part of this that I agree with. Uh, and I, I think to me, what it is, it's a political statement from the county that we agree with the U.S. attorney. This should never have happened. These women have been victimized. It should never have happened. We're the boss. We're the boss of the people who perpetrated this. And we're making a, a political statement by our settlement of this and that we're agreeing to take steps to make sure it never happens again. And I agree with that political statement. But I just have some questions about the criticism of how long it took them to do what they needed to do. And then this sort of a sham uh, controversy that if everybody's in agreement, what, what, you know, what exactly, where's the case of controversy? Yeah. The, the, the other question I guess I have is this. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to justify, I'm not trying to um, diminish the wrongdoing of individual employees, but this goes, this is a question that goes hand in hand with the, is it a proper investigation or not? Mm-hmm. Is a governmental entity or any other employer legally responsible for the criminal acts of its employees? They can be. They, they can be. But as a general rule, unless they're aware of it and have failed to take required steps, then no. Right. Yeah. That, that's, and that's, that's what, again, getting back to my questions here in terms of complaint. And, and again, I'll have to read through it a little bit more further. But what, where is the evidence that, that the county was aware mm-hmm. that this conduct had gone on and failed to take steps? Getting back to, you know, is four days our failure to take steps? Because unless, they were aware of this conduct of this employee who had gone on for for months or years and had failed to take the proper steps. Again, based on this evidence, you don't see that. Right. Uh, and, and I and, and you know, we're focused in this case on you know photographs and exchanging you know, you know uh, uh, any employee. I mean, it doesn't male, female, whatever. But you know, situation where somebody's taking photographs and now we're circulating. But there's all sorts of uh, of illegal conduct that could take place in, in, in the, you know, in the, in the workplace. Absolutely. And, and they're not the, by the way, they're not the only fire department to be dealing with this, by the way. Right. This is, um, we've got a new generation of firefighters uh, coming into the ranks who have a new uh, perspective on um, sharing images, intimate images of current or former um, uh romantic partners uh, and themselves in some cases. And, you know, it's, it's, there's many departments that are, that are really struggling with this. So um, I, I think there's certainly there is some potential for the city to have some liability here. Uh, and not just from the perpetrator, because remember this, all we know is there's a, per, a perpetrator, but unless he took all the pictures that he's got in his things, he was getting it from other people. And, you know, if one of them happened to be an officer, uh, now we've got some knowledge that this is going on by a supervisor, which, you know, supervisor awareness of uh, sexual harassing behavior, it, 
it, it puts the organization on notice that it's going on. So again, they didn't get into all of that. And, um, you know, there's potentially several people who, who may have some responsibility beyond the one person who was sending these anonymous uh, requests. And so it makes you wonder, right, um, what information was available and not placed in this entry. I, you know, again, right. we've talked, I, I prosecute attorneys for ethics, ethics misconduct, and there have been a number of cases where the attorney has agreed to um, a violation of a code of professional conduct where we don't necessarily put in all the gory details. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at the right. end of the day, I need, I, I'm looking for somebody to admit uh, fault and accept responsibility. And so I don't necessarily need to put in that one bit of detail. And this may be a situation where the city, county, I keep saying the city, but the, the county um, understood that there were supervisors or others responsible, maybe some folks up in, in higher positions that uh, they're willing to to quickly, uh, you know, and, and again, quick quickly is all a relative term here to the... <laughs> Four, four days, actually, the same. Yeah. The police were notified the same day. Well, I, when I say quickly admit it, what I what we don't know is how long the the negotiations have taken place, right? Yeah. So I don't know if they said here it is, and like, oh my god, how much do we owe, or is it you know this was negotiations over a year as information was being exchanged, and 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 there's there's the, the county at some point obviously got to the point where they're saying we're going to admit this, we're going to take all these actions, we're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to pay money. Mm-hmm. Um, Based on facts, and my guess is um, there's a, there's more out there than what is pled in this complaint that caused them to agree to to a number of these steps. Yeah, um, Chip, I have a feeling that this is not the last time you and I are going to be talking about firefighters and these types of images uh, being shared back and forth. It, not not only shared, but you know, again, I, I've had a number of cases where firefighters have have without not necessarily having to exchange where they've just posted yeah. stuff. And we've talked about before, you know, the, the, the implications of, of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, you mentioned a new generation again, in our day yet, you, you, you if you were going to send out an anonymous letter, you had to type it and, you know, then, <laughs> then, you know, say, keep a copy of your carbon paper if you did that, or, yeah. you know, again, uh, we, we didn't have the opportunity really to do stuff anonymously outside of U.S. mail system. Uh, and now between, you know, the Internet and and the, the, the World Wide Web that, you know, creates all sorts of uh, interesting opportunities for exchange. Um, and it's so quickly it, it, things can happen so quickly uh, you don't get a chance to, to, to undo it often. And uh, we've talked about this in terms of what people say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, on, on blogs or, you know, again, we, we, the whole issue about First Amendment. But again, when it comes just to issues of, of nudity, sex, and so forth, which unless you're in a dance may not have all the First Amendment protections um, that we discuss over there, uh, I, I think that uh, any employee needs to be very conscious of posting anything of themselves or uh, even worse on, a, on a, of, of another employee uh, because it may create it may create some issues, um, you know. And, and again, how far that wants to go? I, at, at fire engineering last in t- 2023, we there was a female that approached 
Brad and me who had uh, run into a situation with her department where her husband posted a picture of her consensual. It was to a particular group. Somebody got wind of it. And again, she got, um, got, got disciplined for it. And there was a lot of issues that we discussed that, you know, we had questions about what the department did, uh, whether that was appropriate. It is a, it is a, uh, really tricky situation because again, what, what rules are as a person on the private life necessarily violating, uh, just because you may not agree with the particular lifestyle. Um, so it, it, but that doesn't mean that that's not potentially going to cause you some, some uh, heartache as an employee. So, well, I think we beat this one to death. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it. Which, it, it, you know, just to, so, so we always kind of close in summation and, and again, we, we've talked about the, the nuances of a case and our thoughts in terms of lawyers okay. Uh, what the government did, et cetera. But we're going to give one or two takeaways to the, to the, to a, uh, to either an employee or a supervisor or to the, to a, you know, local government running the fire department. What are, what do we tell them? Well, um, I'm not sure what, there's anything we can say to, to individual firefighters because they're, you know, that, first of all, they're not going to pay attention to what we say. So that's, <laughs> um, uh, and they're going to do uh, what they choose to do in the moment and uh, whatever that may be. But I think from um, a fire service leadership perspective, um, you need to be prepared for these types of uh, accusations and these types of um, things happening. They're going to, they're happening more frequently. I've got several dozen cases that fit into this sort of fact pattern here. Um, and I don't by any stretch, because a lot of these are so embarrassing that they never get, become public. I find out about them if I'm personally involved as an attorney, or I find out about it because it's, you know, going to litigation. But I've got several dozen. I wouldn't be surprised if there's hundreds, if not approaching a thousand cases uh, where somebody's got an inappropriate picture and sharing it and that type of thing. So from the fire department administration perspective, be prepared. The organization should have policies and procedures that are going to prohibit and explain what is appropriate and what is not appropriate in terms of sharing. You want to think through this area here. And then I, I feel very passionately that fire departments need to have the ability to do some investigations uh, internally. Uh, this is not something that every time we have a problem, we've got to go hire a law firm, which, which I, I hate to go back over what we've already gone over. But imagine if on this, this surfaced on June 26th, how long would it take the city to go out and contract with a law firm to do the investigation? And then how long would it take the law firm then to get up and running on the investigation? It's probably going to be three, four, five weeks before you could even make that happen. So but we, I really feel strongly that fire departments need to have the internal ability to conduct investigations, understanding that we're not going to be able to conduct every investigation. There are certain things that we're going to have to bring in outsiders, but our default should not be to go outside the organization, because what's going to happen is you're going to say, ah, we don't want to have to go through that rigmarole. We won't bother investigating. And Again, I, I think in this situation, if we look at the perpetrator here, um, there were probably things that this firefighter did in the past that should have alerted us 
to their propensity to engage in this kind of behavior. And I think if we have the internal ability to do good investigations, we can prevent this kind of scandal um, from reaching the point where it did in this department. And the same thing goes for many other investigations that or of scandals that end up happening, that if we can identify it early, we can get the behavior to, to stop, and then we don't end up with this thing that ends up on our talk show. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, and I think that was a great summation, um, is you mentioned that, that somebody had to have known. And, and, and again, uh, I'll just emphasize the responsibility of supervisors. When you're aware of something going on or believe something's going on, you can't sit on it. You have to take action because, as you already said, um, your, uh, uh, your acts or omissions can be imputed to the city so, uh, or you know, the municipality. Um, so, you know, again, everybody has a responsibility either to yourself, to your fellow employees, uh, to, you know, to, to uh, do the right thing. I hate to say that, but that's what it is, you know, to not let bad behavior uh, continue. So I think we're, I think we're, as you said, we've called it a day, beat the dead horse. So uh, next time uh, uh, we will um, uh, hopefully be joined by uh, the other half uh, of the, uh, of the fire service court. As usual, it's great having the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, same here, yeah. Jim. So, and I will fix my uh, phone so you and I can <laughs> communicate again. So, anyways, <laughs> take care. On behalf of uh, of uh, Brad, John, uh, Kurt, and uh, me, uh, have a great week, and uh, look forward to uh, everybody joining us again for another episode of Fire Service Court Radio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.